Dawn lights another cigarette and stands in the frame of the back door. It's our first meeting and five minutes prior to this exchange we were sitting side by side on her sofa, simmering in the silence that her story had left between us. I hadn't intended to talk about it then, but Dawn, I quickly realise, does not hold back. An initial chat soon spiralled into her vividly recounting the day her father, former professional footballer Jeff Astle, choked to death in 2002. She told it with such unflinching courage that it knocked the breath out of me. He'd hate this, she says, to herself or to me, holding out the second cigarette balance between her fingers. I watch the winter wind pick up the swirl of smoke. It billows through the crack in the back door left ajar, curling around the corners of the kitchen. Dawn's two golden retrievers begin circling me curiously. That one's got a sick sense, you know, Dawn says, knows when a person's anxious or sad and wants to protect them. The dog suddenly looks up at me, then rests its head down on my toes. Oh, bloody hell, not you as well. Christ, what a pair. She cracks the tension with a laugh, exhaling the smoke like a held breath. I eyeball the dog, which is still staring at me when Dawn stamps out the cigarette and presses the door closed, rubbing her hands together to warm them as she walks back into the kitchen to click the kettle back on to boil. We chat about everything and nothing as she prepares the tea, the subjects her kids are studying, her former career in the police force, my job in life in London. She can talk, Dawn, and is generous with her detail and humour. I watch her pour the boiling water in the mugs, not missing a beat or a punchline as she goes only pausing for a moment to let the tea brew. Right then, where were we, she says, as she picks up both mugs and leads me back into the living room. We sit side by side on the sofa once more. She takes me through the rest of the story slowly, methodically and in visceral detail, unfolding the events delicately like fresh linen. She takes her time to walk me through the good, the bad and the unfathomably ugly. And still there is a tremendous gentleness to her tone, to the way she carries me along. She is careful with the details, dates, times and places, deciding early on for whatever reason that I am deserving of the full story about her father and what her family has gone through. The whole truth and nothing but. Her outrage is quiet and considered while her humour erupts, filling the space and silence, ricocheting off the walls. She segues between comedy and tragedy with ease and there is something about the twang of an accent, the tone and turn of phrase that is other than London that I find comforting. Perhaps it's a reminder of home. Where are you from then? She had asked when I arrived two hours ago. A few places. I'm a bit of a mongrel, really. My go-to response to my parents' divorce that feels less complicated than saying a bit Yorkshire, a bit Lincolnshire and a bit London. You can't really place my accent, though I'm often betrayed by my northern vowels, I had told her. There's no R in Bath, though, is there? She had roared. I immediately liked her. In fact, I'd like Dawn from the moment I had found a video of her walking out on a meeting with Gordon Taylor, the then chief executive of the Professional Football Association, PFA, after a coroner ruled Jeff Astle's death as industrial disease, the first of its kind, that came as a result of a neurodegenerative disorder caused by the repeated heading of footballs. The meeting took place 15 years after Jeff's death, after the promise of a longitudinal study by the PFA had left the family still fighting for answers. I liked Dawn then, but I like her even more now, as she flits between fixing cups of tea and taking me through the terror of losing her dad and the almost two-decade-long fight for justice she has become embroiled in. Dawn and her family have been calling for research into football, head injuries and dementia ever since. She's given up her life to hold the sport to account in order to protect other players in the same situation, of which there are now many. 
Football doesn't want anybody to think it can be a killer, but I know it can be because it's on the bottom of my dad's death certificate, she says. And I promised him in the chapel of rest that there was no way, she says quietly, there was no way I was going to let football get away with it. It takes me a long time to find the words. They won't get away with it, I say, with more hope than certainty. They won't get away with it, she repeats quietly. <laughs>